Well, good morning, church. Thank you so much for joining us for online church today. Uh, we're so glad that you're here for your worship experience. And before we get into the ministry of the word, uh, could I just encourage us uh, just real uh, briefly about the importance of worship? And I want to make two application points. First is this, is that when we gather together uh, on in your home, uh, would you consider it as a time of worship before God? So when you gather with your friends and your family, you guys might be in your PJs, in your pajamas, you might have your coffee, um, and you might be sitting around the kitchen table. But when the song starts going and we have worship songs, could you just engage in singing, singing along? Um, and when the when the word is being preached, could you bring your physical Bible, not the actual, not the um, your iPhones, but really have the Bibles, and we'll have notes uh, on the website as well, so you could engage with that, and really treat that as a time of worship before God. And I'm so encouraged. You know what? Uh, my social media was filled with uh, a lot of you guys just. Um, engaging with church and using it as an act of worship. We have a couple of uh, people here. Uh, we, this is the Taniguchis, um, faithful members of the church, beloved family. Here's another one by uh, uh, Instagram Live, actually, by uh, Tropic Calling. Um, and here's a dear sister. She texted this to us while she's having breakfast in her Mac computer. And lastly, we have uh, the Kukumus here. Uh, they're a beloved family who literally live right up the street and uh, from the school or from the church. And uh, here's what they put down. We praise the Lord as a family and a church, especially in this time. We welcome Him he here in our house. We put Jesus in the middle of all that is going on at Aina, Aina Haina, Hawaii. So secondly, uh, could we treat just our moments of uh, giving and tithes as an act of worship as well. Um, you know, let's really keep the church strong during this difficult season. Um, I think we need to continue on with our mission uh, of loving Jesus, discipling people, and serving the community. Um, so if you've always given online, yay, congratulations, good job. Um, thank you for supporting uh, God's advancement in that way. But for those of you who haven't done it yet um, and are used to writing or mailing, could I encourage you to do that? Just type in newhopecommunity.tv. It should show up right there, slash give, and it'll give you a secure and easy step in how to give um, electronically, all right? And everything's secured and insured as well uh, with that. And so I know we have a couple college students that are out of work um, for the last two weeks, and rent is coming up, and we also have, you know, some single parents in our church that we want to help and uh, show, not just by word, but by deed, um, the love of Jesus and helping them through this difficult time. So if we could partner together, be generous, have that, um, that cheerful heart as we give unto the Lord, okay? So why don't we lead us into prayer, and then we'll get into the word. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, O oh God, and we thank you that you are the great initiator. Lord, everything we do is in response to what you have done for us first. We love because you first loved us. We give because you have first given yourself unto us. We serve, Lord God, because you first served us. So Lord, out of the abundance of our heart of gratitude and a heart of obedience, Lord, we give our portion unto you. 
I pray your blessing upon each and every single one of us here. I pray that you would use these funds, Lord, to further support the advancement of the kingdom of heaven, Lord, that we as New Hope Community Church could uh, be true to our mission of loving you, making disciples, and serving our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. During this time uh, of quarantine and being sheltered in place, you know, my kids are really taking up uh, mountain biking. Yeah, 13 years old, 11 years old, and even the four-year-old Ezra, he's really picked up uh, biking and going on pump tracks, and they've taken my ramp to, when I fix up my car and do oil changes, and they made that into a bike ramp. And anyways, with that comes costs. So they want to upgrade their suspension. They want to upgrade their tires, their brakes, all these different things. So, so they've been going on Craigslist or they go to Facebook Marketplace and look at this, look at different things. And they're like, dad, check this out. It's a $3,000 bike. He's only selling it for $30. Call him right now. Call him right now. I was like, son, calm down. All right. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. You know, it's a scam, it's a ripoff, but no, it's such a good deal. And I had to, you know, teach them like, hey guys, you know, if you get in life, you get what you pay for. Well, in the, in the Beatitudes, there's a spiritual dynamic that happens that what you desire, you will receive. Because um, the, the eight Beatitude, the blesseds, all right? Uh, the first one starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the bottom one, it talks about blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's a literary style called inclusio, where they kind of have like a bookend. And for example, you get what you ask for. Blessed are the, blessed are the merciful. Why? They'll receive mercy, right? And, and so... In the Beatitudes, we see this spiritual dynamic of really desiring after the things of God. Christianity is not so much about duty as it is delight. What do you love? What do you want? What do you long for? See, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, but he also backs it up with signs and wonders, and he says, hey, Repent, turn your life around. Do you want this abundant life that I have come to offer you? Right? A life of flourishing. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life to the full. And so we're going to read uh, the second part of the Beatitudes, verse 1. Go ahead and open your Bibles. I'll be reading from the ESV version. And seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. 
For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the Beatitudes, um, the root of that is from the Latin beatus, where we get the word blessing. Now, last week I mentioned that in the New Testament, there's two words for blessing. Okay, One is found in Ephesians 1.3, uh, blessed be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ. It's also found in 2 Peter 1.3 and uh, 2 Corinthians. Now, the word blessing there is actually the word eulogia, meaning to speak well of God, that we praise God and we worship God. And just like a eulogy in a funeral, that you speak well of the person. So we speak well or we approve of God. And the other side of that is makarios. Now, these eight, um, these eight blessings, these beatitudes, uh, it's not just happy, but it really is a sense of being approved by God. Because in the Bible, there's this dynamic where God blesses man, but man also has the ability to bless God. It's almost like a two-way street. The main difference is that when we speak, speak well of God, when we eulogize or we bless God, um, you know, uh, and when God does not condescend down to us when He blesses us, but when we, when we praise and worship God, it's an upward um, vertical relationship to God. Now, uh, these Beatitudes, uh, it really boils down to desiring the kingdom of God, okay? And here's the main point. Um, the blessings of the Beatitudes are the promises of the kingdom to those who live a repentant lifestyle of humility. That's right. Let me repeat that. The blessings. So there's a blessing being approved by God of the Beatitudes. What are the blessings? That there's promises of the kingdom to who? Those who live a repentant lifestyle of humility. And the key theme of the Gospel of Matthew is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In fact, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began, catch this, to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In light of the fact that the kingdom of God, the reign of God is here now on earth, that God loves us so much that He doesn't want to wait for you and me to die and breathe our last breath before we can experience the kingdom of God. He brought the kingdom of heaven down here on earth. And in light of the kingdom here now that King Jesus is here, the response is repentance. John, uh, Matthew chapter 2, John the Baptist preached the gospel of repentance. Repent. And then here comes Jesus, repent. So if you want the blessing of the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, we need to go through a lifestyle of repentance. Last week, we talked about that the first four relate to God. There's humility meaning understanding your spiritual poverty before God and repenting from your self-sufficiency. There's mourning, responding to our brokenness and sinfulness before God and repenting from being self-satisfied. Blessed are those who mourn, for you will be comforted. There's meekness, that living with strength under control and repenting from being self-determined. And lastly, there's a sense of spiritual famine that we desire the righteousness of Christ and repenting from self 
righteousness. And because we're in right relationship with God, we could call this justification, then we're able to have, we're rooted in that, then it begins to bear fruit in our relationship. And how does that look like? The last four of the Beatitudes are in how we relate to one another. Okay? And so here's number five. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You're going to get what you ask for. If you want to live a life of mercy to others, if you want to receive mercy in your life, you're going to pursue a life of mercy and grace and kindness. So what does it mean to, to be merciful? It means to repent from being self justifying. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What does our culture say? Our culture says that blessed are those who get justice for themselves every single time. And that's the world standard. In the world's eyes, that's how we see people who are blessed. Oh, they get things done. They did it their way, right? Frank Sinatra. Not that I can relate because that's way past my generation, but I did it my way, right? But if you want to be approved by God, if you want to live under the kingdom of God, blessed are the merciful because you will receive mercy. Does this mean that God will give us mercy because we're merciful to others? Absolutely not. Let me be very, very clear. This is what blessed are the merciful means. To the extent that we give mercy to others, it demonstrates how we, how aware we are that we are recipients of God's mercies that have been extended to us. That's so good, I want to repeat that. To the extent that we give mercy to others, it demonstrates how aware we are that we ourselves are recipients of God's mercies that's been extended to us. So extending mercy to others means to repent from self-justifying behavior. Think about how people justify their bad behavior, their poor decision, their harsh words, how they treat others wrong, and how they are right and they're never in the wrong because they're self-justified. You know what? As we're all quarantined at home and living shelter in place, can we be merciful with our words and withhold giving our family members judgment and words of what we think they deserve. See, Ephesians 2 says that Jesus Christ has given us grace and mercy. Now, what does that mean? Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. It's a giving. It's an act of giving. That's grace. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give you a gift. But mercy, it's this idea of withholding, not getting what you deserved. Because oftentimes in our relationships, especially these next couple of weeks, the kids are going to deserve lickings. They're going to deserve the, a lecture, right? Our spouse, they're going to deserve to hear that talk. They're going to deserve the, our, our, our harsh words in our own mind. And we try to justify it. Let me be very clear, not in a passive or passive-aggressive way where we bottle everything in and until we blow up. But being merciful means having strength under control so that you can give mercy. 
that you know what they really deserve this my kids i just cleaned up the whole house oh you're gonna get it but it's like you have strength you're under control i'm not gonna give you what you deserve you know from our devotions today first corinthians 13 says love always protects it always trusts it always hopes it always perseveres NIV says, love always protects. The ESV says, love bears all things. You know, as a dad, I want to protect because I love my kids. I love my wife. I want to protect them. I want to protect her from danger, from evil, from bullying, from unnecessary pain. But could it be that maybe we need to protect our kids from ourselves with our lecturing? with our hard words, harsh, maybe it's outburst of anger. See, Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. If you give mercy, if you deposit mercy to everyone, especially this next couple of weeks, if you keep depositing mercy, guess what? When you mess up, which you will, you'll be able to withdraw and receive mercy. You see that spiritual dynamic there? Can we be merciful? and protect our relationship. Deposit mercy and grace, and you'll be able to withdraw mercy and grace. Repent from self-justifying behaviors. Well, the reason I yelled is because you... It's like, no, I'm sorry. Withhold. Blessed are the merciful. Next, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Verse 8. Would you write down, repent from being self-deluded? Blessed are the pure in heart. What does that mean? If your heart is the seat of your desires, then what does it mean to be blessed for those whose hearts are pure? It means that you have had the desires of your heart, listen, purified. I think you and I have lived long enough to know, and we've experienced some way, shape, or form, of having the wrong desires or wrong motives, pursuing it and having it go completely wrong and blow up at our face. And when we suffer the consequence and have our hearts purified, we start desiring the right things. When we grow the purity of hearts, what happens? We see a clear vision of God. May I note here the, the importance of confession, forgiveness, repentance, and tears. Um, when was the last time you repented and had your heart purified that you, that you wept over the, your own depravity and your own brokenness? Um, W.A. Ward says this, we should be thankful for our tears. They prepare for us a clearer vision of God. Be thankful for your tears of repentance because once you have your eyes and your heart cleansed and purified, you get to see a vision of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. What happens when you scrub your heart, when you ask for forgiveness, when you confess before the Lord? You should, you're going to see God. Psalm 24 verse 4 says, The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. You know what? You can only have a pure heart if you, owe, if you ask for confession and if you repent. 
A heart that is pure is one that's always cleansed. Something that is clean and pure, it's, it, it, it's only clean as a result of always washing it, right? In the same way, our hearts are pure when we ask for forgiveness. When we ask for, to, for repentance from, and we turn away. Um, if you're having a hard time this morning knowing the things of God, ask yourself, where are my desires? Am I submitting myself to the Lord and asking Him to do a work there? Scrub your heart. Ask forgiveness. Repent. repent turn away from being self-deluded. Don't think, oh, I got it. No, I'm, uh, you know, uh, I get them. You know, that's one of the first, uh, that's actually one of the first uh, pigeon phrases that I learned. Uh, I knew somebody who had like crazy back problems and, you know, always street down his back. I was like, oh, let me help you, bro. He goes, no, 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 I get him, I get him, I get him, I get him. It's like, and, you know, sure enough, they throw out their back because, oh, they get it. You know, this self-justification, self-sufficiency, and in this case, self-delusion that the Bible says in Lamentations, you are God in heaven, here am I on earth, let my words be few. Those who convince themselves that their truth is better truth than what God has given are self-delusional, repent from self-delusion. Thirdly, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Meaning, repent from self-promoting. Now, Jesus is really beginning to step on toes here because they think the Messiah has come not to make peace, but make war. But if you make peace, you shall be called what? Sons of God. In the Bible, there's a couple of phrases uh, relegated to people who are, who, are, who are called sons. James and John, who are they? Sons of thunder. What does that mean? It tells you something about their character, that they're fiery and they're quick to strike, right? In the book of Acts, there's this guy, Joseph, and every time people meet him, they're always uplifted. They're always encouraged. They're always edified. So they're like, you know what? We're not going to call you Joseph anymore. We're going to call you Barnabas, Barnabas, meaning son of encouragement because his character, he was a son of an encourager that he reflected that character of encouraging. Now, if you and I reconcile people together, reconcile man to man and people to God, there's something about the heart of reconciliation that just attracts or it just exudes the character of who God is. Isaiah 9 says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Peacemakers will take on the character of the Prince of Peace. Why repent from self-promoting? Because if you're going to be a peacemaker, you're going to have to humble yourself a lot. You know, earlier this week, I, uh, I took um, uh, Renee's auntie to Costco to help her with her uh, batteries, car battery. And then we're going out. And, uh, you know, it was a mad rush. They actually had toilet paper that day. And as we were driving through Hawaii Kai Town Center, um, you know, I let a person go in front of me. I was like, yeah, go ahead. I let them cross the street. And as I, cr I let this uh, pedestrian cross the street, man, like two or three cars took advantage in this crazy traffic of my kindness, right? And I was this close 
to to hug, not like a beep beep, like a love tap, hey hey hey, but like beep. And then it reminded me, I was like, man, we are we're living in such tense times right now. Everybody's been. Uh, cooped up at their homes, no, nobody knows how to be social anymore. Everybody is like, you know, survival the fittest. Everybody's trying to get their their bare necessities. I'm like, man, why should I contribute to this tense environment that we're at? So instead of that, like, whew, like man, blessed are the peacemakers. Like, man, if you don't instigate, if you bring peace, man, like, man, you're just like God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. And lastly, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, which means repent from self-preserving. Who's blessed? Those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, at this point, all expectations of Jesus' followers of wealth, of power, of opulence, they were completely crushed. Why? Because Jesus says, in this life, you will be persecuted. And just in case they missed it, Jesus changes the pronoun, pronouns. Instead of saying, blessed are those who are uh, persecuted, he says, no. Puts it in second person plural. You all, blessed are you all, when they accuse you falsely for my sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You know, I watched a Facebook Live podcast with uh, John Maxwell earlier this week, and he just talked about leading in crisis. And uh, one of his main points that came, came across clearly was that leaders, we good leaders, trustworthy leaders, are leaders who put other people first. As we come to a close here, I said it earlier that Christianity is not so much about duty as it is delight. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you want, if you have that desire, guess what? You are going to get persecuted. The tense of this in the Greek, it's called a, a nomic present, G-N-O-M-I-C. Nomic meaning it's like the sun uh, rises. It's like a nature of life. If you desire, this is what's going to happen. If you want to live for God, you're going to get persecuted. And I just want to make take this time right now to invite you life you're, you're gonna get what you want at the end of your life are you gonna meet your creator and be hey I did it my way I know you're all-powerful I know you're all-knowing I know you're infinite whereas I'm finite I'm uh, weak but you know I'm gonna do it my way would you long for the reign of Jesus to be upon your life, upon your family, over your marriage? Would you submit yourself as like, Lord, I only do what I know. 
and the history of my family of brokenness, of dysfunctionality, of alcohol abuse, of divorce, it's going to keep perpetuating. You need the kingdom of God. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, that Jesus is the way into the kingdom of God, that you could have a life of flourishing. So I'll take this moment now. There's going to be a a button right on the screen uh, on our website. And if you want to click on that yet, I want to receive Jesus. Then we'll go ahead and um, pray for you. Uh, Romans 10 says, if we confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Let's go ahead and pray. Just take a couple more moments. It's the most eternal decision that you could make. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that there is a a, a life, Lord, of flourishing, a life, oh Lord God, where there's abundance in you, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a a life of substance, of death, of direction. So, Lord, I pray right now that we would repent, Lord, from pride, turn away from pride, and run towards you. And if you said yes and you clicked on that, would you say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Jesus, come into my life. Be my God. Be the Lord over my life. Be my Savior. Save me from my sins. Would you seal me with your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys. Well, we love you. Thank you so much once again for sharing your worship experience with us online. We love you, and we'll see you next week.